This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Wednesday, August 11th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Not going to lie. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, and it has everything to do with the Seattle Mariners, who actually ruined my night last night. I'm very understanding when it comes to this team. I believe a lot of people probably accuse me of being a honk, a shill, a bobo, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to this team. And you know what? You're probably right, because over the last year and a half of me covering this team, almost two years, I have not seen a lot of bad moments. I like what they did at the trade deadline for the most part. They didn't have much of a chance to compete for the playoffs this year. Everything we have seen to this point has been nice, but they're in the midst of a dry spell, and I'm starting to get annoyed. Specifically because, for some reason, the Seattle Mariners have no ability to beat the Texas Rangers all of a sudden, and the Texas Rangers aren't a real baseball team. And last night, I had to waste three and a half hours of my life watching that Mariners team be unable to score runs against, again, a minor league baseball team. And look, it would be one thing if they didn't have any opportunities, but when you spoil yet another good start by your starters, and they have been doing a whole lot of this, we saw it last night, Logan Gilbert looking really good. As the Mariners go basically through one through five with their guys in the starting rotation, putting together good starts, all they need is some run support, just a little bit. And they can't do anything against the Texas Rangers despite having the bases loaded in the ninth inning down one run with no outs. They couldn't do anything. And you know what? It's disgusting. And here's how it ended. Here is Kyle Seeger flying out to end the ninth inning and send the game to extra innings. And the lefties, 3-1 pitch, swung on and a fly ball into right center field. Going back, Garcia near the warning track. He's there and he makes the catch and we're going to go to the 10th inning tonight. Bases loaded, no outs. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? You lost to a team that's lost 14 straight games on the road. And, you know, we constantly hear coming out of the Mariners clubhouse about how they're upset that there was no... I guess, belief that they could continue to do what they were doing with Kendall Graveman in the bullpen and that they took a big chunk out of the team's chemistry and the clubhouse after the game, excuse me, after the trade by moving on from Kendall Graveman. And yet here you have both Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger, the two guys who I imagined in the clubhouse were the ones that were frustrated and talking with Ryan Divish in the Seattle Times and saying that the clubhouse felt betrayed. These guys go out there. Mitch Haniger, what are you swinging at, man? You swung at three straight balls, essentially. You could have walked in the game-winning run. Nope. Instead, you decide to swing at a bunch of pitches. And then you have Kyle Seager, who's flying out on a 3-1 count. The two guys who were most frustrated, how about you do something at the plate? Because Abraham Toro was brought in to help you guys out. You guys need to do more. And look, they're not making the playoffs this year. I've accepted that. I'm not asking for anything more. But what I am asking for is some sort of competence. And when you're going up against a garbage team like the Texas Rangers, what you put together last night is completely unacceptable. Unacceptable. I mean, Texas looks like they're trying to throw games right now. Are they? I can't say. Here's Scott Service after the game. Disappointing. Uh, you know, I thought we had enough there to walk this one off. We've done it so many times this year. We just uh, we didn't finish it off. And you know, nothing we can do about it now other than, you know, try to learn from it and show up tomorrow and, you know, try to get the W tomorrow. 
I learned from it. I don't want to watch tonight's game. You're in timeout. Mariners, you are back in timeout. We've done this once before this year. And it was at a very low point. This is another low point. Timeout. We good? We good? All right. Got that out of my system. Sorry. I know that angry yelling is not exactly uh, smiled upon here when it comes to sports talk in Seattle. I get it. But I needed to get that off my chest. I I was so angry going to bed last night. I mean, I, I just felt like I wasted my time. Three and a half hours. If I had gone to the ballpark, all right, I might have been feeling a little bit better because at least I could have drifted off into the bullpen or something like that and not paid attention to the Mariners at the plate. Whatever. Uh, Sorry, Paul. You need to get on with your life. The Seahawks are in the midst of training camp, and our coverage of Seahawks training camp is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And we saw some interesting news last night, courtesy of both the Seattle Times and of ESPN. Per the Seattle Times, talk between the Seahawks and Jamal Adams have stalled out. The two sides haven't discussed a new deal this week amid disagreements over contract structure and guaranteed money. Now, for what it's worth, Jamal Adams continues to be out there at training camp. He looks engaged. But there is an impasse of sorts. And per Brady Henderson, this is the ESPN report, the Seahawks did indeed make another contract offer to Adams. They are just awaiting word on whether he will accept it. We discussed this on Danny and Gallant as... Jamal Adams leaving his texts on red. And I see the frustration and the concern and the hullabaloo over no contract being reached at this point in time. We're getting closer and closer to the first Seahawks preseason game Saturday night in Las Vegas against the Raiders. But when it comes to both Jamal Adams and even Dwayne Brown, a situation I'm a little bit more concerned about, The lack of resolution on their contracts, these crises, are not crises until either of these two guys miss games. And you still have a month until the season opener against the Indianapolis Colts. A month. I'm not concerned right now about Jamal Adams. I have a hard time buying into the idea that Adams is going to miss games. Is he really going to sacrifice game checks? Is he really willing now that he's a part of a winning team, to put his team at risk of losing, to put them in a worse situation by not being on the field just to earn a little bit more money when I'm guessing the Seahawks have probably made some sort of offer that would make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. This is one of those moments, and I think that Pete Carroll addressed it perfectly when he talked about it on Sunday and that this is a feeling out process for Jamal Adams. But when he was asked about his concern level and when he might be concerned, here is what Pete had to say. At, at what point do you become concerned about the, uh, the refs that Jamal has? I don't know. Why would I tell you that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know. He sounds so curt there. Maybe you could imply that there is a little bit of concern behind those very, very few words that he put out there. But I think that they realize that there will be a resolution that eventually happens. And if it doesn't happen by the start of the year, it can still happen next offseason. The urgency to give Adams that extension is not necessarily there because you still have the franchise tag option. Now, when it comes to Dwayne Brown, I am concerned, and I brought this up before. I think that the Seahawks are in a situation where they have to play Dwayne Brown, and Brown has shown in the past that he's willing to sit out games. But in the case of Adams, he got plenty of time left, and any of this information that you see made public, an impasse between the two parties, that's coming from the Seattle Times, that to me sounds like something that's coming out of Camp Jamal Adams. 
trying to make it seem like things are not in a good shape right and not in a good spot right now. And then when you see from Brady Henderson the other side of it, I'm guessing that the Seahawks came back and said, no, we've actually put an offer on the table. But I think there is plenty of time to get this thing resolved. But I'll ask you the question. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line is how you jump aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can also tweet me at Galan says, when will you be concerned about the absence of one, Jamal Adams, and two, Dwayne Brown? Separate answers for both. They're going to need to have Jamal Adams out there defensively this season. He is, I think, their most impactful defensive player. And Dwayne Brown's their best offensive lineman. But you still have. I'm trying to do a little radio math here. He goes, August. There's 30 days in August. There's about 30 days, 31 days or so, until the Seahawks open up their season against uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts. 31, 32, whatever. Plenty of time to get this thing resolved. And until he misses... Regular season games, I don't think that this is the big deal that it is being made out to be. The big impasse that it's being made out to be, specifically between the Seahawks and Jamal Adams. But again, I want to hear from you on that front. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. I am Paul Gallant, and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can watch it, 710sports.com slash video. You can also listen to it on your smart speaker or on the 710 app. This hour of the Paul Galancho is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Right now it is 10-10. That means it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. What's going on, Maura? Hello, Paul. How are you today? Grumpy. Why? The Mariners. Oh. They're I'm... in timeout. Yeah, but then you got to learn timeout so they're not here, so we're good. Yeah, but <laughs> see, and I'm, not, now I'm just going to, right when I think I'm out, I pull myself back in. Sometimes they deserve a spanking. They deserved a spanking today. And and honestly, I don't feel like very often that a baseball team that is overachieving is worthy of a spanking. But that was awful. That was pathetic. I'm done. It was brutal. Yes. Hopefully, tonight will be a much different event. I don't even want want to watch tonight. You're going to, though. I know, because it's my job, but I don't want to. (laughs) I'm doing it under protest. All right. Well, we'll switch to the Seahawks. Would that make you happy? Fine. Um... I don't know if this news will be happy, but Alden Smith has been released by the Seahawks. Seems like it is somewhat of a surprise, as he has been getting heavy reps in practice. Yeah, you've seen him a lot with the guys that you would think would be the most important players on defense, which stands to reason that they thought that he was going to really contribute this year. And now all of a sudden, you unplug him from the situation. I think per Greg Bell, there were some agreements that had been reached before the signing, and he basically broke those agreements that's simple so it's something off the field it has nothing to do with him on the field and that is a shame it is a shame for alden smith who continues to waste opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity i don't really feel bad for him because it is his fault for continuing to waste opportunity after opportunity after opportunity whether it has to do with alcoholism or domestic violence or whatever this guy is in control of his own actions he is an adult he has to be smarter he has to be more responsible I'll be honest, I did not have a lot of expectations for Alden Smith. When they signed him, I wasn't that excited when they made the move. Even though he had the three-sack game against the Seahawks last year, I thought to myself, man, the Cowboys let this guy walk, and their defense was awful last year, and he's cheap, and he's a former first-round pick. Why were they so willing to let him walk? I mean, at the start of free agency, they basically said, yeah, we're not going to sign you, period, end of story. And I thought to myself, whoa. And then all of a sudden, the Seahawks signed him. Now, they had other options, and I know Jake Heaps is frustrated about it, I don't blame Jake Heaps for being frustrated about it. I mean, Justin Houston would have been a better option, but I don't know that you necessarily were going to be able to bring Justin Houston aboard. 
he signs with the Baltimore Ravens. He apparently had been offered more elsewhere. He's still signed with Baltimore. Some guys like playing in Baltimore. They like to be that veteran that comes in at the end. I don't know that Seattle is necessarily the same situation for a guy like Justin Houston. Whatever the case, the other options that they had, Ryan Kerrigan, who signed with Philadelphia. Eh, I I, I don't really think much about Kerrigan, though he did have five and a half sacks last season in Washington, but he was a part of a really good Washington pass rush last season. And the other option was Melvin Ingram, who has been consistently hurt. They had alternatives for Alden Smith. They went with this route. They had to know that this had a very low chance of working out. It's not like they lose a lot in moving on from him, but there were other, there were other doors that they could have chosen. They chose this one, and they're already slamming it, and we haven't even played one preseason game. Other news in the NFL today, Colts head coach Frank Reich told Colin Cowherd he is not ruling out Carson Wentz playing week one against the Seahawks. Wentz had foot surgery last Monday and was initially projected a 5-12 to week recovery time. This is newsworthy because, of course, they would have had to start either Jacob Eason Eason in his first NFL start or um, their six-round rookie Sam Ellinger. If they did not have, if they don't have Wentz week one, we are going to make an amendment. The Seahawks are already one and zero because I thought that Carson Wentz was not going to play in week one. The Seahawks are now zero and zero because we do not know one hundred percent who's going to be under center for that game. If it's Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, they're winning. They're winning easily. Jacob Eason's not good. He wasn't really good in college. You could blame that on the Washington offense. Whatever. I'm not going to. I. I, I looked at him as a quarterback, and I'm like, yeah, nope, don't want him. Sam Ellinger is someone who I'm intrigued by, but he is a college quarterback. He's like the perfect, oh, wow, he's really mobile, he's tough, he runs, all that stuff. But at the NFL level, he's probably going to end up looking a lot like a Tim Tebow. If Wentz is out there, I know there are so many questions about Wentz, and if he's actually good, is the Wentz that we saw in 2017 the real Wentz, or is the Wentz that we've seen over the last couple of years dealing with injuries, not being particularly liked in his locker room, is that the real Carson Wentz? I think he's somewhere in between, and I think that back with Frank Reich, that it is, I think, closer to the guy that he once was at the peak to the guy that he was at the absolute bottom last year in Philadelphia. Dealing with some sort of foot injury, who knows how serious it is, but if he's not even wearing a walking boot and he's not limping around, I mean, that's really encouraging news for the Indianapolis Colts. So, in conclusion, week one, the Seahawks are no longer 1-0. In your mind. But my mind is law. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be nearly as good as you do, Paul. You need to jump on the Wentz wagon with me. Nope. Michael Bumpus is on it. It's pretty uh, drafty. You know, we got some air conditioning going on. We're playing some <laughs> 80s jams. It's fantastic. More dually. For the AC, I might. We're, we're about to hit a heat wave here again, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I'm so ha- I'm so happy I have air conditioning. I bought an air conditioning unit. I got one of those plastic cutouts because I have this giant window from uh, a plastic company downtown. Oh, my God. I love this air conditioning unit. I have not really seen the effects on my energy bill. So I might not (laughs) like it. Yeah, I might not like it that much in the near future, but it has been well worth the purchase. I'm Paul Gallant. That is more dually with what's trending every single morning at 1015 brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. All right. 206-421-3776 206-421-3776 is how you call. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. If you have some shots that you want to take at the Mariners, I suppose we could work them in, even though they are in timeout. 
at 710-710. But also, when will you be concerned about the absence of Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown? You get to answer that on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. It is your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710. Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Jake Eaps and Paul Gallant are both, at least here in Seattle, by far the two biggest whiners on AM radio. Well, yeah, Jake Eaps whines about everything. We always know that. I'm kidding, of course, on that front. Jake is exceptionally positive. I disagree with that assessment entirely. But I am a paid whiner. That is my trade. I whine and whine and whine some more, and then I drink wine. Huzzah. What a life. What a life it is. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Perhaps the release of Alden Smith also signals the fact that the Hawks are going to make a surprise move at that position. Another texter asks, hey, man. Hey. Are they going to sign K.J. Wright, perhaps? K.J. Wright is a strong side linebacker. Where you were seeing Alton Smith was at, as the Seahawks call it, the Leo position. So I don't think that you're going to see K.J. Wright brought aboard because Alton Smith is no longer here. And that would be weird, right? Alden Smith is the reason that you haven't brought K.J. Wright back on the roster. No, the reason K.J. Wright isn't back on the roster is partly because the Seahawks probably don't want to pay a veteran a whole lot of money, but they also, I think, want to make Daryl Taylor happen. Sometimes you draft players and you need to have those guys develop. He's a second-round pick. Is he going to be as effective as K.J. Wright this season? Honestly, uphill battle, and I would say no at this point in time. Uh, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Paul, speaking as a parent of five and a grandparent of ten on the subject of timeout. Ooh, veteran. This particular, this particular discipline must be given out dispassionately. Huh. The misbehaving children must understand that the parent is 100% in control. You know what? That is a great point. Maybe we need to come up with something different than timeout. Hmm. Help me out with that one. 710-710. That is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. 206-421-3776. we got a couple of callers right now. Let's start off with Evan in Puyallup. Evan, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. What you got? Yeah, I just was um, watching, like, first take and listening to the radio and stuff over the last couple of days with the Dwayne Brown stuff. Um, and just uh, hearing what the media is saying and everything. But I just think that uh, we really need to extend him. I think it's going to be crucial to keeping uh, Russ around. And um, I like, you know, that he went out and said something in his press conference to, you know, have Dwayne's back. And yeah. I think it's very, very important we re-sign him and we get Adams done as well. I don't know what the Seahawks are doing. They need to get their head on oh. straight and get this done. I mean, there's plenty of time, man. There's plenty of time for this thing to get done, and I appreciate the phone call, but there's, there's, there's no rush on this front, at least as far as things go right now. Resigning Dwayne Brown should not be something that you're doing just to keep Russell Wilson around because resigning Dwayne Brown is not necessarily going to do that. The only thing that is going to make Russell Wilson, I think, enthused about his situation here in Seattle, if he is not, if, if he is upset or disappointed with the way things have gone, is to win more than you have this year. Now, having Dwayne Brown as a part of that and Jamal Adams as a part of that helps you, but 
plenty of time to get those deals done. I don't think that you guys should be stressing about it. I am not stressing about it. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line is how you text in. You could also call in at 206-421-3776. Let's go to good friend Robert in Kingsgate. Robert, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Paul. Um, about the Jamal uh, Adams situation, it is kind of scary if we, you know, that it is taking a little long. I understand that we do have time, you know, it's going to blah, 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 work its situation out. But you got to throw that what if. What if he wants to hold out until the game, you know, start in, let's say, three games? That's probably three losses for the Seahawks because our defense is so thin right now. You know, if we, like I called a couple of days ago, if we lose a linebacker or a starting linebacker, we're hurting. Our offensive line, hurting. Our defensive line, uh, I guess you said that it's supposed to be better. You know, the second half, we're, you know, but I didn't see anything really to make me enthusiastic uh, about this defense. Carlo, Carlos so Dunlap aboard it helps really out. Really quickly before you interrupt. I'm predicting it. We're going eight and eight, missing the playoffs this year. Well, that's not possible because there's 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 17 games, but I'm uh, I'm assuming it's either nine and eight or eight and nine and something like that. Some of the points that he laid out are are I think factual. Yeah, there there's definitely one missing piece, a potential for the Seahawks to be in a really bad spot. One injured linebacker, yeah. One injured offensive lineman. I mean, they're already dealing with some injured offensive linemen right now, but that's not a reason to make a deal right now. I do wonder what they have offered Jamal Adams, and I'm assuming that they have offered him something that is making him the highest-paid safety. I would probably go a little bit further because I do think that there is a case to be made that he is their most impactful defender. If I'm Jamal Adams, I might be thinking, I want Bobby Wagner money, or I want at least close to Bobby Wagner money. And I doubt that the Seahawks are going to go that far. There's still a month for opinions to change. Just because all this news is coming out now, that is not necessarily indicative. Indicative? I always butcher that word. Indicative. Indicative, yeah. I said it right the first time. That is not necessarily (laughs) indicative of there being some serious obstacle in the way of something actually eventually getting done. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. We'll get back to some more of your phone calls at 1045. Plus, Russell Wilson did foist himself into this conversation about both Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown, not just with some of the comments that he made on Sunday. We'll get to those at 10.45, too. But up next, I've been out to Seahawks training camp, and so has Corbin Smith from Sports Illustrated. We're going to talk about what we have been seeing out of training camp, some of the things we're excited about, and a whole lot more leading up to preseason game number one next, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 10.30, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to fail with Paul Gallant. And joining me right now in the sports pit from Seahawks Maven, sportsillustrated.com, it is Corbin Smith, who I think is a fantastic follow when it comes to all things Seahawks. The guy knows the game. And Corbin, we're finding out more, I guess, about Alden Smith's release. I know based off of what both of us have seen while out at training camp, it's a bit surprising because the guys actually look pretty good out on the field. What are you hearing as it goes to one Alden Smith. 
Well, it definitely did not have anything to do with what Alden Smith was doing on the field. And at camp, they've been using him in a number of different positions. I really thought that he looked like a player that might even potentially be in line to start for this football mm-hmm. team. So has nothing to do with the on-field ability. That's never been the issue for Alden Smith. But I don't have any specifics that I can give you on what exactly happened, but a source indicated to me a bit ago that the big issue is something happened that made the Seahawks feel like they could not count on him. It was a violation of the team's trust. That could be any number of things with Alden Smith, but the timing of this was so odd because the preseason openers coming up on Saturday, his arraignment's not until the 24th. So it just seemed like odd timing, but obviously something has happened in the last few days that, provoked the Seahawks to make this move properly and cut ties with him. And it sounds like it was related to violation of trust from the team. I had been seeing some of the same things as you, that there's a potential that we could have been seeing Alden Smith maybe with the starting defense. And they like to mix and match defenders out there on the practice field. I'm curious as to who you think maybe fills that void now that Alden Smith is no longer part of the equation as far as a defensive lineman, we know what Carlos Dunlap can bring to the table, but after that, and we know Benson Mayo and Kerry Hyder, what they can bring, but it does feel like there are a lot of moving parts and, and bodies competing with one another to get on the field. So this is just throwing something out there just a little bit right now, but I kind of wonder if this maybe slightly reopens the door for K.J. Wright to come back. I still think it's slim, but they were using Alden Smith and Daryl Taylor at the Sam and Leo positions, which in their defense, the way that it's schemed now, those positions share a lot of similarities. In fact, in their bare fronts, they're basically the same spot on overhanging linebackers, basically a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 scheme. And so I'm wondering, does that open the door for Taylor to play more snaps now at the Leo spot? And then maybe you could have K.J. Wright return, and he's playing extensive snaps at Sam. I don't know that that happens, but that's at least something I can throw out there as a possibility with him still remaining unsigned. It's more likely, though, in this case, a player like Alton Robinson is going to be getting those snaps as a third or fourth Leo defensive end that you were not going to get, or that he was not going to get with Alden Smith being there. I would really. So like. I would anticipate Robinson is probably a guy that benefits a lot. Maybe Rasheem Green. He's a player that seems like it's kind of been difficult for him to get on the field to this point, but he's got that bigger body, can move inside. They were using Alden Smith some reduced inside as a three tech rusher. He even was standing up as a linebacker covering the A gap sometimes for the Seahawks in their nickel set. So maybe you could do something like that with Rasheem Green. They've got some interesting players in the roster. I still think they've got good depth there, but uh, this would have been a really nice luxury signing that could have paid dividends for the Seahawks if Alden Smith would have worked out. Clearly, it didn't. would love to see K.J. Wright back in the fold if that is a possibility. Corbin Smith, who writes and covers the Seahawks for Sports Illustrated, as far as other battles at training camp, I think the most important one, and one there's a little more uncertainty with now that D.J. Reed is banged up, is that cornerback group. What have you been seeing out of it? Akella Witherspoon looks really long. I know that Trey Flowers, at least per Pete Carroll, has been looking a lot better at camp, and he's gotten a lot of reps with, obviously, DJ Reed out. You saw it at the mock game. You saw it yesterday at practice. What's your read on the cornerback pecking order for the Seahawks? 
Up until this week, I believe that DJ Reed had cemented his status as the starter at right cornerback. If he's going to miss time, though, that makes things interesting because Trey Flowers was having quietly a very strong camp, and now suddenly these past few practices, it's gone from being quiet to being a pretty publicized situation. He's made a couple nice pass deflections against DK Metcalf in camp, and we know how difficult it is to cover DK Metcalf. So that's really helped him out. And in the mock scrimmage, wasn't getting targeted much. Really, that's a good thing for a corner if you're not getting targeted much. And he's just been really playing sticky coverage. He's a guy that has been so up and down his first three seasons. But when he's been good, he's been really good. Even the middle of last year, I think, was the best we saw Trey Flowers play. And then he injured his hamstring, and that gave D.J. Reed a chance to play. So maybe we've all been overlooking Trey Flowers, because I thought going into this, he probably was a wild card at best to reclaim a starting spot. But he's got a real chance now if D.J. Reed's going to be out for extended time. It would be really interesting to see a cornerback group featuring two guys that have had confidence issues in the past. We've seen it with Flowers and Akilah Witherspoon. That was his big problem yep. in San Francisco. But both of them exceptionally long and sort of the traditional cornerback that the Seahawks have been looking for in years past. A lot of questions about the Seahawks, Seahawks and their contract situations with both uh, Dwayne Brown and, and Jamal Adams. And I would take a look at Dwayne Brown specifically, because that is opening up some very interesting doors on the offensive line, and specifically at left tackle, because Cedric Abwehi is banged up as well. Corbin, Stone Forsyth might be the biggest person I've ever seen on a football field. I saw him yesterday <laughs> standing next to Jamar, uh, not Jamarco Jones, uh, Jordan Simmons. And Jordan Simmons is six foot four, and Stone Forsyth is a full head taller than that guy. Man, I, I wonder if he can actually be a factor this season. What do you think is going to happen at left tackle should the Seahawks not get something worked out with Dwayne Brown, a guy who has decided to sit out games in the past? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to monitor with the potential of Brown not getting a new deal. I would still think that they're going to try to get something done there. But the real overhanging storyline here is that Dwayne Brown is going to be 36. And you got to wonder if the Seahawks are looking at that age and wondering, uh, we just don't know if we want to commit very much money, even though this guy played outstanding football last year. I personally believe they're going to try to get that done, but they got to get Adams done first. And until that happens, they're not going to be able to move forward with other contracts. And so going back to Stone Forsythe, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him up to this point. I do still have some concerns about him as a run blocker because of his height. You mentioned how tall he is, and seeing him on the field, he is massive compared to if Greg Island was not there, the other 6'8 tackle they have, yeah. everybody else would look like dwarfs. I mean, he is <laughs> huge. But it's a real problem in the run game sometimes because he loses leverage naturally. And I've seen that some on the practice field. He's looked pretty good in pass pro. Speaking of Alden Smith, I thought he, he looked solid against Alden Smith in one-on-ones, and Smith has looked good in camp. And so that was a really good early litmus test for him in those one-on-ones. He had a couple of fun matchups against Daryl Taylor, more of a speed rusher. And so I've seen a lot to be encouraged by. I don't think you want him starting at left tackle, though, in week one. They've got to find a way to get the Dwayne Brown situation taken care of. And like I said, I believe once the Adams domino falls, which could happen any time, once that happens, then Stone or not Stone Forsyth, Dwayne Brown, I believe that contract is going to be the next one that they look at. The, the one that looks like he's going to be the odd man out 
in this situation is Quandre Diggs. Which is a shame because Quandre Diggs is somebody who definitely deserves that money. But, of course, when you're paying one safety and you got DK Metcalf's contract to think about down the road, it's a little bit uh, more difficult to get that done. One last question for you, Corbin, and it has to do with the Jamal Adams situation. We heard yesterday that there is an impasse between both parties per the Seattle Times, per ESPN. We're hearing that the Seahawks put an offer on the table and that they're just waiting to hear back from Jamal Adams on it. Are you concerned? I mean, there's still a month left for a deal to get done between these two sides. I don't know that I'm concerned, and I don't know that fans should be concerned at this point because it still is only August 11th. I did think this deal was going to be done by now. I'm a little surprised that it's gone on this this long. But the big issue continues to be guaranteed money, and the Seahawks typically have not given much guaranteed money beyond the second year in a contract. And the fact that Jamal Adams is entering his fifth year and he's got a bunch of guaranteed money on this final contract is complicating matters. And so they're trying to work through that. The Seahawks have not been negotiating with him here over the past several days. They do have an offer that they've put on the table. And from my understanding, this is going to be the sweetest offer they're going to be giving. From my understanding, they're not planning to up the ante anymore. They've already stretched things out a Mm. little bit as far as finances are concerned. And so maybe the two sides will be able to renegotiate a little bit more on guaranteed money and stuff, but I don't expect that there are going to be any significant changes. The offer that's on the table, the Seahawks are saying you can take it or you can leave it. If that happens, then you might be seeing another Frank Clark-type situation, and I know the Seahawks Mm. don't want to have that happen with what they gave up to acquire Adams from the Jets. And with how important that he was to this defense last year. Always great stuff from Corbin Smith at Corbin Smith NFL covering the Seahawks for Seahawks Maven for Sports Illustrated. Corbin, always fantastic to talk with you, and, and let's talk again soon. Sounds good, Paul. Thanks for having me. That is Corbin Smith, everybody. All right. It is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Your concern levels about both, one, Jamal Adams, two, Dwayne Brown, their contract situations, you can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I do have some texts to respond to that have to do with the Seattle Mariners. And leave it to Mark Rogers to foist his way into the conversations that have nothing to do with Russell Wilson. We'll talk about that and why that's happening next, too. Don't go anywhere. 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. I put the Mariners in timeout earlier for that awful loss that they had last night. But I do need to bring them out of timeout because a couple of people feel like I've been too hard on the Mariners. I know. I'm surprised by that myself. 710-710 Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You know... One thing is starting to become a reality. Paul Gallant is not a real AM talk show host. He is not a sports talk radio host. As I said before, you're not in Houston anymore, Toto. He should take more time in valuing his job instead of constantly talking bleep about the teams we love as true Washingtonians. You loved what you saw last night? I feel sorry for you if you loved what you saw last night. I would say more of the text line right now would be upset if you weren't saying you were you were mad about last night because yeah the text line is pretty in your favor i agree with you more dually but any <laughs> of those small resistors i need to stomp them out you were okay with that what is wrong with you what is wrong with you if you're cool with that offense it is fine to be critical of your team do you really want me to come on and bring a flute out and go sunshine and rainbows the mariners can't score but guess what it doesn't matter because julio rodriguez and jared kelnick are eventually going to save the day could be three years from now like come on 
Come on. Another text, 710-710. Holy smoke, are you kidding us? The two players that dropped the ball at the end of the game have been carrying the team. Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Seeger. Yeah, you're, you're right on that, who both hit home runs earlier in the day. Yeah, you're right on that too. And you're bashing them as though they are some eighth-rate ball players. That's why you don't have credibility. No, I'm, I'm thinking that they were the two guys that were acting like they got betrayed by the trade of Kendall Graveman. And guess what? you got to score more than two runs to win a baseball game. And when you have opportunities with the bases loaded, either of you have to deliver. We're going to accept just one home run. That's fine. That's cool. That's it. Okay. One last thing before we get back to the phones on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, because this also was annoying me yesterday, and it has to do with, well, Mark Rogers foisting Russell Wilson into the conversation about both Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown. Via Bob Condota and Adam Jude of the Seattle Times, Russell Wilson has told the Seahawks he is willing to restructure his contract to help facilitate new deals for Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown under the team's salary cap. Well, you don't need to free up salary cap space to give an extension to Dwayne Brown or to give an extension to Jamal Adams. Thanks for telling us this, Russell Wilson, through your agent, Mark Rogers, through your court. Also, they don't need to consult you to do said restructure. I know that it's not exactly the best business to do it without that, but if you're saying this publicly, the only reason that you would put this out, given the zero effect that you're willing to take a restructure would have on those two contracts, is so that you can make the Seahawks look bad for taking their time to get these deals done. Period. That's it. It's par for the course for Mark Rogers. I get it. He's defending his client. He's trying to make his client look the best that he possibly can. But Russell Wilson wanting to take a restructure, wanting to seem like Tom Brady again, like that, that is something that has nothing to do with the current situation right now for both Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown. It doesn't. There's only one reason a story like that gets put out there. It's to make John Schneider and the Seahawks front office look bad. Again, par for the course with Mark Rogers. Anyway, 206-421-3776 with your favorite grump on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle to text into 710-710. Robin is in Kingston. Robin, what's going on? Hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm I'm calling up in agreement with you about the tone that was uh, exposed last night with the Mariners. I've been watching some games, and last night I picked up something that I'd seen only last in the in the Felix era, um, and that was I felt that the dugout was lost last night by both Depoto and Service, and mm. here's why. Okay, here's why they did not sit Jared Kelnick after he got himself deliberately thrown out of a ball game in which he was extremely important, okay? Uh, but they did sit shed long for not running out a, a, a ground ball. Ah, okay? inconsistency. Man, this is, a, this is a really big deal. This is the first kink in DePoto's and Service's armor that I've seen since watching them since they have been here. Um, I would not be surprised if this doesn't this, this doesn't grow. They they built Kalanick up into this something that I don't think he is, which I've shared with you before. Watch the body language for the other players versus Kalanick. Okay, I don't think he's being accepted. I think he is uh, pissed off about everybody. I, so that's just my view. I appreciate whatever. it, Robin. And, so, and listen, your yeah. all views all views are welcome on this show, and we will we will we will always bring them in. I, I don't get that same vibe. Honestly, I feel like a lot of people actually might have the Jared Kelnick effect rubbing off on them. How many times last night did we see Mariners players swear and yell after 
popping out. I think I saw J.P. Crawford do it. I, f- I think, was it was it Ty France? Was it Dylan Moore who did it a little bit later? Like, there were a couple of guys who were very angry after failing at at-bats. One last call. Let's squeeze in Corey, 206-421-3776. Corey, what's going on, man? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to completely disagree with that guy. Okay. That, that I don't know where he's pulling that out of, or he's just trying to stir up some drama. But, uh, yeah, that's not happening at all, unfortunately. <laughs> And, um, yeah, but on the other terms, with uh, Jamal Adams and um, Russell, uh, not Russell Wilson, uh, Dwayne Brown, well, I guess Russell Wilson is, but I, I honestly feel like Mark Rogers said that because I don't know why Seahawks fans love it when Tom Brady, for some reason, restructures. Like, they think he's the greatest, and Russell Wilson's <laughs> just a jerk for not doing it. So I feel like that's kind of why he did it, because I even know personally I got some friends who are like, man, if only Russell Wilson would restructure, like, He's ninety percent of our cap. It's like, dude, that's the league. That's that's a quarterback, unfortunately. You 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 aren't getting structure. I don't think people realize that the money just goes to it next year. You're right. You're right. It's not like they're taking less. And Corey, I appreciate the phone call. You you summed it up perfectly because people make a big deal out of it with Tom Brady all the time too. They do. And Tom Brady's not giving up that much money, and he's still getting paid very well wherever he's been. It's just been a little bit of money left on the table, but not that much. And the NFL salary cap, it balloons every single year. So basically in this situation right here, I just feel like everyone needs to relax when they hear that Russell Wilson is taking a pay cut or wanting to take a restructure because he's not taking a pay cut, as Corey just said. That is Mark Rogers trying to make the Seahawks look bad, deliberately. I'm Paul Gallant. This was the Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to everybody who texted in, who called in, who tweeted in. On the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, and to Corbin Smith, who stopped by earlier. Tomorrow, Dooley, who produces this thing. I am merely Paul Gallant. Jake and Stacey, live from Seahawks training camp, is next.